Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal is not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. My friends at MyPillow, my buddy Mike Lindell, told me he was coming out with a brand new product. It's called the New Mattress Topper. So I got the New Mattress Topper immediately, and I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months. It's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. Now, you literally have MyPillow Foam for Support. It's a transitional foam that helps relieve pressure points, and it's ultra-soft, patented temperature, regulating cover, and I got to tell you, it has a 10-year warranty, a cover that's washable and dryable. It's made in the USA, backed by their 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Once you try this new mattress topper, you put it right over your mattress, you will never sleep better. And right now, you, my radio listeners, you're going to save 30% off when you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TOPPER. And by the way, Mike will also give you two standard MyPillows absolutely free. All right, so try MyPillow.com promo code TOPPER. Promo code TOPPER for this great deal and the best night's sleep you ever had. All right, uh, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800 941 You want to be a part of the program. A lot of news to get to today. 39 days till the midterm elections. The Republicans in the Senate have a 51-49 majority. Razor, razor thin majority. Why have I been saying now for months, long before a lot of you were paying any attention to the midterm elections, that this is the most important midterm election in our lifetime? You know, there's only been three times in the last hundred years where after the party that wins the White House gets to 
win seats in, in the House and said doesn't lose a whole bunch of seats. It's called the political ebb and flow and cycle of politics. And the last time it happened was in 2010, and that's when right after 9-11. No, I'm sorry. That was 2012, rather. Wait, 2000. I'm sorry, 2003. After George Bush, that George Bush was the last, first his first term, the first midterm afterwards. I apologize. I'm reading 10 things and watching four television sets and have five computers in front of me. And I'm a little ADD as I get started because news is breaking. It just doesn't happen. It's a hard thing to do. Well, I've been telling you this long period of time for a reason. There's a lot at stake. There's nothing that I'm telling you about this election. That is not true. The Democrats have said it. They want to impeach the president. Chuck Schumer can't do it soon enough. That's what they want. They want to undo the vote of 2016. They want to redo. And basically, that's what 2018 is is turning out to be. And if Republicans lose control of the House, the Democrats, under pressure from their base... Maxine Waters, who even admitted there, they keep telling me not to say it. We'll do it. We'll do it. But don't say it. What else do they want? Well, we've had people like Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, all saying they want their crumbs back. President gives the biggest tax cut in history. Average American families for the first time in, what, 20 years see real money in their pocket. Real increase in their salary and their spending money. And they still want the crumbs back. We know they want, they're not thinking about security and securing the borders. They don't pay attention to the opioid crisis and the drugs crossing our borders. They care about votes. They want open borders and they don't even, they want to eliminate ICE. They want America to be a sanctuary country. Like California is a sanctuary state. Like we have sanctuary cities. They want to keep Obamacare. They're not open to creative solutions like Dr. Josh Umber and Atlas MD and healthcare savings accounts and ways that you can protect pre-existing conditions and ensure every American and even offer concierge care for every American for crying out loud like Dr. Umber does at 50 bucks a month. This is all in play in 39 days. Now, why have I been talking about it so long? Because it's my job to tell you and prepare you for what's coming up next. And I've got to tell you something. What happened today does not surprise me. That's why in states like Florida, you've got your current governor, Rick Scott, going up against Bill Nelson. That race matters. Heidi Heitkamp, you know, has now joined Jeff Snowflake and Lisa Murkowski and Joe Manchin of West Virginia. And I'm going to get into this. Let's delay this. Let's give into the Democrats delay for another another week of FBI investigations. And I'm going to tell you why this is really happening in just a second. But these races matter. Joe Donnelly is a no on Brett Kavanaugh. Why? In Indiana. Claire McCaskill is a no on Judge Kavanaugh in Missouri. These are states that voted for Trump in North Dakota, in Indiana, in Missouri, in West Virginia, in Florida. 
These are winnable states. We have the best economic progress this country has seen in two decades. We have more jobs created in the last two years than at a record pace. Four million Americans are back to work. Four fewer, four million fewer Americans on food stamps. I am just, you know, it is, it is why it is so frustrating. We came one vote shy of a complete repeal of Obamacare. Senator McCain was the deciding vote there after promising the people of Arizona. By the way, I hope Martha McSally, I hope the people of Arizona are paying attention to her campaign. She's an American hero. And I hope she gets elected. So anyway, so they what happened today is the Senate Judiciary Committee, they did vote to advance Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination to the full Senate, but not after a lot of theatrics and drama by Jeff Snowflake. And then apparently he then now joined by Lisa Murkowski and he now joined, she now joined by Joe Manchin. And, you know, now it goes on. They want a one week delay. We don't want to, we're going to advance it to the Senate, the full Senate, but we want to see what happens. So I guess at this point, unless other people come out, then it's going to be another week. And what they're asking for is that the Senate have an FBI investigation. Now, let me go through in detail why this is absolutely a bogus move on their part. It's just important facts matter in particular cases here. Now, you got to remember, if you review the charges of Professor Ford, her allegations were made back in July. Now, we need one more week Why, so another 15 people can be brought up by Democratic operatives? Is Senator Feinstein getting attorneys for somebody else then not telling us about it? The way when she met with Judge Kavanaugh, she had privately been offering help to get a radical attorney who, by the way, didn't believe Paula Jones or think Paula Jones having Bill Clinton exposing himself to her and saying, kiss it. She didn't think that was a big deal. But she did support Al Franken. And now in this particular case, Diane Feinstein recommends we find out they don't tell Judge Kavanaugh that this is all going on as they're meeting in private or they have the hearing. So they they literally hold it from July. In the case of Professor Ford, uh, I've said from the beginning she deserved to be heard because these allegations are so serious. She's been heard. And she doesn't remember a date. She doesn't remember a day of the week. She doesn't remember a location. She doesn't remember how she got to or from a party where the alleged crime took place. She did mention four witnesses that were there, one in particular, Mark Judge, that was actually in the room. And all four witnesses now have the Senate, when they found out the names of people, they went and they did their due diligence. They did an investigation. And all four witnesses that Ford listed have given sworn statements under the penalty of felony. Let me repeat All witnesses from 36 years ago have given sworn statements under the penalty of a felony to the entire Senate Judiciary Committee. That includes Professor Ford's friend, uh, a woman named Leyland Kaiser. And she doesn't have any recollection of ever being at a party or gathering where Brett Kavanaugh was present. 
Mark Judge has said repeatedly he doesn't know. Now, the, the, the problem as we go forward here is they keep saying about the FBI, the FBI, the FBI. The problem with that argument is, all right, so the FBI now is going to spend a week doing what? We don't know what house to go look at. You know, I, I do watch forensic files. I think it's an amazing show in the sense that, you know, you can go back and they have the FBI old cold case files that they have, and they reopen them sometimes 25, 30 years later, and they're able to pull out evidence and with new technology and, and DNA and everything else that they've able to, to now use the tools of forensics. It's amazing what they can do. But we don't know where they could go, so the only thing that the FBI is going to be able to do is interview all the witnesses that are already gone on record and given statements under the threat of a felony. And the only hope, I guess, is is that one of them will admit they committed a felony then and change their opinion. No, 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 I didn't mean that. Or I just remembered differently from 36 years ago. It just came to me, you know, two days ago. Um, This is about a delay. You want to start a pool about how many people maybe the Democrats have sitting in the wings because they've thrown everything else out there. I mean, we had the allegation of Miss Ramirez, and this was a claim. Uh, Deborah Ramirez is a name, the New Yorker. I don't think they ever should have published it. It was pretty flimsy reporting, and that Kavanaugh had exposed himself as a freshman at Yale, and but she did say in the article that she was quickly inebriated at the party. At different points, she wasn't even sure Kavanaugh was the perpetrator. She said she was foggy, slurring her words, acknowledged she had significant memory gaps from the evening, and the New York Times had interviewed several dozen. That means at least 36, 48 people. In the course of a week, in an attempt to corroborate Ms. Ramirez's story, they couldn't find one person with firsthand knowledge. And Ms. Ramirez herself contacted former Yale classmates, the New York Times reported, and was asking them if they could recall the incident, telling some of them, she couldn't be certain it's Mr. Kavanaugh, the one who exposed himself. And he is, and his family had to live through and endure that. And then endure that he was on a boat in Rhode Island. And then endure an incident in Colorado, which were all debunked very quickly. And then endure the, the outrageous charges of Julie Swetnick, whose ex-boyfriend says what she's saying is not true at all. And claiming that four decades ago that when they were in high school and, well, she was in college, but when Brett Kavanaugh was in high school, they had, she attended 10 parties. And they had these gang train rape parties. And that girls were being drugged and forced to be intoxicated and boys lining the hall waiting their turn. And nobody had ever said a thing there. I don't know if the FBI is going to investigate that, too. You know, although, you know, Jeff Snowflake says, well, it's going to be, we'll see. You know, it's only going to be limited in scope. We'll see how limited in scope it ends up being. That's why this election is important. They have done everything they can do to undo what you, the American people, want. Everything lying about a Russian dossier, hookers urinating on a bed and spreading that information 
to steal an election before the election. Then spreading that information to cause a special counsel to be appointed. Not knowing they'd ever be exposed thanks to the show and and many people that we have on this show. I'm going to get into all this. This is the end of due process in America. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be going forward guilt by accusation. Because that's all we've got. It's never going to go back to presumption of innocence anymore because you reward this behavior. These smears, the lying, the slander, the besmirchment, the character assassination. They're going to do it again and again and again. And if you think the predictable every two, four years, racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, dirty air, water, kill children and throw granny over the cliff. You think that's bad? What you've watched and witnessed in the last 12, 13 days is just the tip of the iceberg. It'll get more outrageous. And more innocent people's lives will be ruined. You think all those allegations that have come out against Judge Kavanaugh are true? 39 days they're hoping you stay home. You going to stay home? You'll get the government you deserve. With only a kite, a house key, and wet hemp string, Benjamin Franklin captured lightning in a bottle. Over 260 years later, with a little resourcefulness, ingenuity, and grit, we're not only capturing energy from the sun and wind, we're storing it, ensuring Americans have the energy they need whenever they need it. Learn more about the nation's leader in energy storage at nexteraenergy.com. So the FBI, and I'll play it again in the next half hour, the FBI doesn't make conclusions, they don't make recommendations, and an FBI investigation, what are they going to investigate? They're going to go back and they're going to do what has already been done by the Senate committee, and that is that they're going to talk to the four witnesses that, Professor Ford listed to corroborate her claims and what she was alleging. They all made sworn statements under the penalty of perjury. I'm sorry, felony rather. That includes everybody there, including an eyewitness that was in the room, Mark Judge. You know, if you review everything she claims from 36 years ago, there there is nothing new unless somebody wants to admit that they committed a felony that is the only way possible that something can change with the one week pause and that is what is infuriating to me and everybody knows it and if this all stands and the democrats do what i suspect you're going to be hearing a lot more next week just put your money down on it and they get to now make more accusations we need more weeks And then it's all guilt by accusation. No presumption of innocence or due process. It's dead. I uh, have been speaking with a number of people on the other side. We've had conversations ongoing for a while uh, with regard to um, making sure that we do due diligence here. And I think it would be uh, proper to delay the floor vote uh, for up to but not more than one week. Uh, in order to let the FBI um, 
continue uh, to do an investigation limited in time and scope uh, to the current allegations that are there and uh, limit in time to no more than one week. And I, I will vote to advance the bill uh, to the floor with that understanding. And I, I've spoken to a few other members uh, um, who uh, on my side of the aisle that may be supportive as well. But that's my position. I, I think that, uh, that we, we ought to do what we can to make sure that, uh, that we do all due diligence with a nomination this important. And I want to say that this committee has acted properly and uh, the chairman has been over backwards uh, to do investigations from this committee and to delay this vote in this committee for a week so that Judge, or that, uh, that Ms. Ford, Dr. Ford could be heard and she was yesterday. Uh, so, so that's with that agreement, uh, I will vote to advance the bill to the floor. I, I don't know if this is going to continue onward or are we going to get a vote, but uh, again, I'm, I'm here, so I'm not out there watching because I can't be out of great respect, although maybe we'll go watch together, okay? We'll watch together. But I think uh, it will work out very well for the country. I just want it to work out well for the country. If that happens, I'm happy. Have you thought at all about a replacement for Judge Kavanaugh? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. What's your message to Murkowski and I have no message. I mean, they have to do what they think is right. There's no message whatsoever. They have to do what they think is right. They have to be comfortable with themselves, and I'm sure that's what they are. Would you be willing to reopen the background investigation into Kavanaugh? I'm going to rely on... Uh, all of the people, including Senator Grassley, who's doing a very good job. Uh, that'll be a decision that they're going to make, and I suspect uh, they'll be making some decision soon, whether to take a vote or to do whatever else they want to do. I will be totally reliant on what Senator Grassley and the group decides to do. Are you going to talk about Venezuela today? We're going to talk about Venezuela. Absolutely. I was waiting for that question. Uh, we will be discussing Venezuela, among many other things. All right, that was the president responding to events from earlier today. Jeff uh, Flake out of nowhere after saying that he would support, and they did advance in the Senate Judiciary Committee along a party-line vote uh, to send the nomination of Judge Kavanaugh to the full Senate, but... As you heard, Jeff Flake has said, well, I'm doing it, but I want this. And that's not how it works. It's going to be Mitch McConnell who ultimately decides whether or not there's going to be a one-week FBI investigation. But I, I just want to step back from the process here and just remind you, the, reviewing the charges of Professor Ford. She made in July, of course, early July, and then later July to Diane Feinstein, dating back 36 years. And I've said, and everybody else, I think, has, has wanted Professor Ford to be heard because the allegations are so serious, and she was. And we heard from Judge Kavanaugh also yesterday in the case of, just to recap, that there are a lot of issues as it relates to, well, she, Professor Ford didn't remember where the incident happened. We know that. She didn't remember a date, a day of the week, a location, how she got to or from the party um, that had take, or the alleged crime had taken place. She had mentioned four names, all four witnesses listed that were to corroborate her claims, deny what she was alleging from 36 years ago, all four people in sworn statements under the penalty of felony. Under the penalty of felony. 
uh, have put their statements down. Mark Judge is in the room and has no recollection of any such thing like this ever happening. And one of Professor Ford's best friends has said, simply put, Leland Kaiser, a lawyer, put out a statement. She does not know Mr. Kavanaugh has no recollection of ever being at a party or at a gathering where he was present with or without Dr. Ford. So now we have joining Jeff Flake. Then we have Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Joe Manchin has a big uh, Heidi Heitkamp, I think, is also undecided in this. Joe Donnelly is a no against Kavanaugh in Indiana. We have an election in 39 days. And as I have been pointing out here, where is the evidence in this case? And as, as, why? look, this was the big talking point in the hearings yesterday. Demand an FBI investigation. Demand an FBI investigation. We heard the same talking points all morning long as they, they moved the vote to 1.30 Eastern today. Demand an FBI investigation. Well, an FBI investigation doesn't make any conclusion whatsoever. Offers no recommendations whatsoever. The FBI has already said there's no crime in this particular case. They have, they have no jurisdiction of any criminal investigation or activity in this case at all. The only thing once, because remember, this was withheld since July by the Democrats who were playing politics. This is exactly what they're hoping. They can stretch this out, somehow get over the finish line of Election Day and somehow then stop the president's nominee. That's all this has ever been about for the Democrats. And you would think after all the years being in the Senate, people like Jeff Snowflake, who just hates the president. I'm not questioning his motivation, but I mean, it's just back and forth and back and forth. I, I think the resentment is real and the hatred is real towards Donald Trump. Lisa Murkowski. Anyway, but... The FBI investigation makes no conclusions or recommendations. So what does that mean? The only thing that they can do is go back to the four witnesses that Professor Ford mentioned that have all given sworn statements under the threat of of felony. And in that sense, now we're back to where we have been in the very beginning. Now, they say that it's going to be limited in scope. Do any of you believe that? I do not believe this is going to be limited in scope. I think the probability that some bomb is going to drop today, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, is very high. Because we've seen how far they'll go in this process. Talking about a case in Rhode Island. Oh, Newport. Well, Judge Kavanaugh has never been to Newport in his life. Whoops, let's get rid of that one. In a case in Colorado, whoops, that didn't work out either. An anonymous source writing Senator Cory Gardner's office. You don't think there's a ton, this is so politically charged, the environment in the country, that there are people writing stories right now to their senators? I need this investigated about Judge Kavanaugh. You know, then the New Yorker came out with the case of Deborah Ramirez. And she alleged that, And Kavanaugh exposed himself at a drunken college party when he was a freshman at Yale. Then in her piece, she admitted she wasn't totally sure she was that he was the perpetrator. 
And it took six days to make that confirmation in her own mind. And she was quickly inebriated at the party. Those are her words, not mine. She tells the New Yorker she was foggy and slurring her words, acknowledging she has significant memory gaps from the evening. The New York Times interviewed several dozen people. That's what, 50 people? 36 people? Over the past week in an attempt to corroborate Ms. Ramirez's story, they couldn't find any one person with firsthand knowledge. And we do know the New York Times hates Donald Trump. Ms. Ramirez herself was contacting former Yale classmates asking if they recalled the incident, telling some of them, according to the New York Times, that she could not be certain Mr. Kavanaugh was the one who exposed himself. And, of course, then we got, I think, one of the worst ones of all. And this was the case of Julie Swetnick being represented by the attorney of the year. Loved by the mainstream media, Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Anyway, it turns out that in that particular case, those allegations were so over the top. In that case, she was alleging that over a two-year period, there were almost weekly weekend parties. She went to 10 of them. And that at these parties... That boys in high school, she was in college, would be drugging girls, incapacitating them, getting them so inebriated that they couldn't function, and that they were, go- they were being gang-raped and train-raped on a regular basis, describing boys lined up, waiting their turn to rape girls that had been drugged. Now, if that had happened... It's a fair question. Why would any smart person ever go back to any party like that over 10 parties over a two-year period where it was routine that gang rapes were taking place and not one person ever told a teacher, never told the parent, never went to the police, and it just continued to happen over long periods of time. And that the defense, and then eventually you, she claimed she got gang raped. But not, she didn't say Kavanaugh did that. But that was, that story seems to have died down now too for some reason. Why do I suspect it's going to be resurrected in the days to come? As this, there, there's nothing new that they can find. They have no location. They can't go back and bring in the greatest forensic experts there wouldn't be any because we don't know where it happened so what are their options what does the fbi have as options to again interview the four people that were already interviewed by the senate investigatory committee now the ap is now reporting that kavanaugh friend mark judge says he will gladly cooperate with any law enforcement agency that investigates confidentially We have Republican Senator Cornyn now saying that the Senate will have a vote to consider the motion to proceed with the Supreme Court nomination on Saturday. So we'll find out what that's all about. There's deeper principles in play here that we have got to pay very close attention to. Well beyond, you know, we cannot have guilt by accusation in this country. There are very profound principles at stake here, I have talked about the the predictable strategies that Democrats use every two and four years. 
smears, lies, slander. They bludgeon Republicans as racist, sexist, Islamophobic, homophobic, misogynistic, xenophobic. They don't agree with their environmental policy, so they want dirty air and water. They want children to die. And they want to throw granny over the cliff. Hannity, you're repeating yourself again. Because it's wrong. It is a predictable strategy. As a matter of fact, it's their go-to strategy every two and four years. Slander is what they do. The Democratic Party is now the party of slander, character assassination, and smears and besmirchment, and they don't give a rip as long as they win elections. Oh, Mitt Romney doesn't like women. He has their resumes and binders. Oh, Mitt Romney didn't pay for taxes for 10 years. And then you find out after the election, he actually did. Oh, good, we won. Who cares? We've watched so many instances and cases. The same thing. Robert Bork, Clarence Thomas. Where is the presumption of innocence here? Where is due process in all of this? Where is a constitutional system of law and order in this, in any of this? How about all the other cases where the media has been wrong? They hate Sean Hannity, but Sean Hannity was right about Richard Jewell. I didn't rush to judgment and think, oh, he fit the profile of the lone bomber. I was right about Duke LaCrosse when so many others were dead wrong, and I went and actually did my reporting and met the families and firsthand and asked questions. They were wrong on Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. Obama was wrong. I actually took my time, did my own reporting, went down and talked to George Zimmerman. How many other reporters do this? It's like we went, we actually talked to WikiLeaks, Julian Assange. We tried to do our own reporting on this show. Or what about Ferguson, Missouri? Darren Wilson, guilty. Freddie Gray, murdered by cops in Baltimore. And everybody in the meantime, then those are only high-profile cases. And then, of course, the worst of all is the dirty dossier. Bought and paid for by Hillary. Donald Trump, you know, rented a room in Moscow and had hookers urinating in the bed. Defiling the bed that Obama's, the Obama slept in. That's in the dossier. And that was fed to every American before the election as a lie to help Hillary. And after the election to destroy Trump. Our country is witnessing you're living through the ugliest smear campaign in history. If we don't get this right, there will be no good people that will ever want to serve their country for decades to come. Democrats are now the party of no due process, no presumption of innocence, no constitution. What name one Democrat that is given the presumption of innocence here? Because it's politics. You talked about drinking and sexual exploits, did you not? Senator, let me uh, let me take a step back and explain uh, high school. Uh, I was number one in the class. 
freshman. I, I thought well, only, no, 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 no. I thought only the Senate. You got this up. I'm going to I'm going to talk about my high school. No, no. I'm going to talk. answer. I'm going to talk about my high school record. If you're going to sit here and mock me, we, we we were. I think we were all very fair to Dr. Ford. Shouldn't we be just as fair to Judge Kavanaugh? As a federal judge, you're aware of the jury instruction falsus in in unibus, falsus in omnibus. Are you not? False in one thing, false in everything. The core of why we're here today really is credibility. Judge, do you be, do you believe Anita Hill? Senator, Senator Crapo. You were both questioned about your record. The only difference is that you have been accused of sexual assault. How do you reconcile your statement about a conspiracy against you with the treatment of someone who was before this body not very long ago? Okay. Um, and then... Do you agree that it is possible for men to both be friends with some women and treat other women badly? Um, sir, you also said uh, that this past two week, uh, this past uh, two weeks, has been a two-week effort, calculated and orchestrated as a political hit. Are you saying that Dr. Ford's efforts to come forward to prepare for the very difficult testimony she gave today? to travel to Washington, D.C. and tell us about her experience have all been an, part of an orchestrated political hit, and, and are you basically calling her some kind of political operative? I have found your testimony powerful and credible, and I believe you. You're a teacher, correct? Correct. Well, you have given America an amazing teaching moment, and you may have other moments in the classroom, but you have inspired and you have enlightened America. By my colleagues who have thanked you for coming forward today, and uh, I and we all admire you for what you're doing, and I understand why you have come forward. You wanted us and the American people to know mm -hmm. what you knew about the character, the character of the man we are considering for a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. Um, I, I want to use a different word for your courage, um, because this is more as much as this hearing is about a Supreme Court justice, the reality is, is by you coming forward, your courage, you are affecting the culture of our country. Dr. Ford, I want to begin by thanking you for coming to testify in front of us today. This is a public service, and I want you to know that I'm grateful to have the opportunity to hear from you directly today. There are millions of victims and survivors out there who have been inspired by your courage. I am. Bravery is contagious. Indeed, that's the driving force behind the Me Too movement. And you sharing your story is going to have a lasting, positive impact on so many survivors in our country. We owe you a debt of gratitude for that, Doctor. As difficult as this experience must be, I want you to... All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, right down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN. Uh, now, at the bottom of this half hour, before we got into all the flake drama from earlier today and him calling and agreeing with the Democrats for an FBI one-week limited investigation and uh, how many more accusations are going to be made in a week, anybody want to start a, a pool on, you know, how many Michael Avenatti himself can make in a week. Anyway, so uh, joining us now we, to get into all this, Kaylee McEnany is with us, the author of The New American Revolution, The Making of a Populist Movement. D.C. McAllister is with us, author of Spygate, columnist for PJ Media. Uh, and also, by the way, uh, D.C. went to UNC with Dr. Ford. 
uh, and has talked publicly how she herself has been a victim of rape. Uh, David Schoen is a civil liberties attorney, criminal rights attorney. Uh, D.C., let me begin with you. We watched this. Now, we do know that all four witnesses that Professor Ford had mentioned have all given sworn statements under the threat of felony, and yet that doesn't seem to want to stop the Democrats from having yet another investigation, even though Joe Biden says that it would be non-conclusive, and, of course, uh, they make no recommendations at the end of it. To me, it just seems like that just opens up another week for more crazy allegations to keep coming out. What do you think? That this is a delay tactic. They didn't even say when this week begins. And there's a little technicality that I wonder about when it's, when this is actually going to start and how long it's going to take as far as that kind of delay goes. But they've already decided that Kavanaugh is guilty. That's one of the things that really bothers me about this whole situation is the presumption of guilt with this man. When these Democrats look at this woman and say, I believe you because you're emotional um, in this hearing, you know, I, I want to say, you know, what's happened to our country? And it's, you cannot measure truth by someone's emotion. And, you know, she isn't corroborated. And if you do want to bring emotions into it, and have it as a factor. Actually, as a rape survivor myself, I wasn't convinced by her emotion. She didn't respond and didn't act to me like someone who had been sexually assaulted and was just now bringing it up in the face of the man who did it. She acted like someone who she well, acted like someone who was very nervous, but not you know filled with anger that you usually feel when this kind of thing happens to you. I, look, I, obviously, I've never been through something as traumatic and horrible as that. I know that, for example, if somebody dies, you know, you look in one corner of the room and people are laughing, another corner of the room, people are crying and and then people are emoting back and forth at different times. I mean, I don't know if there is one way that somebody's going to react to something like this. I, I, I did feel with 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 Judge Kavanaugh. I mean, the outrage of being wrongly accused seemed natural to me, although the Demo- you know, commentators are trying to portray that as he's unhinged. I'm like, uh, you haven't been accused of gang rape. You haven't been accused of horrific things against women. And if you are innocent, I remember Trey Gowdy once famously said, you know, act like you're innocent. Well, that's how I would act if I was innocent. I'd want to shout it from the root- rooftops. But I, I, you know, I can't put myself in anybody's shoes. It's just I know the horror. To me, that's evil. What we're describing is people that do that are evil. Um, Let me bring in uh, uh, Kaylee McEnany is with us. Uh, Kaylee, what are your thoughts on all of the uh, comings and goings today? Yeah, it's uh, really interesting because as the Justice Kavanaugh so accurately said, advice and consent has now been turned to search and destroy. And if this does not move forward, if we do not have a vote, if Judge Kavanaugh is not confirmed, the Democrats have won their political manipulation, their search and destroy tactics. And it is horrific, Sean, horrific that now the standard that is set, that someone can come forward with not just uncorroborated stories, not just no evidence, but refuted stories. In this case, every person who was apparently a witness denies it, but refuted stories can take down a judicial nominee. That's very scary. I do not doubt that something happened to Ms. Ford, but it was not Brett Kavanaugh. And to see him go down for something he did not do it is a travesty, and it is a bad standard to set in this country. What is your take, David Schoen? I know you've, you've worked on a lot of cases in your life, and you know a lot about human nature and people and to me 
just from a legal standpoint, if the FBI is not going to give a recommendation or offer a conclusion and the four people that were offered as having been witnesses to the alleged incident have all given sworn statements under the threat of felony, you know, and we don't even know the location of where this occurred. It's not like we can go back and say, okay, well, we have new forensic techniques. Maybe we can find some evidence of this or that. I mean, and I'm not being flippant here. It seems what, what, could, what could possibly change? I don't know what could unless somebody says I lied uh, and I committed a felony. Yeah, the idea that the FBI investigation is some kind of panacea here is an absolute red herring. Um, I don't know where Professor Dersowitz is coming from on that or any of these folks. Everybody knows, as the judge said, it doesn't come to any conclusion. But beyond that, there's nothing more they could do. This is just a matter of providing cover to Senator Flake and others. Listen, the first case I ever had in practice was a false accusation of rape against a client. To see that client change when he finally was acquitted from the accusation until the acquittal is just phenomenal. I'm a little more cynical than D.C., frankly. Um, I'm concerned that people have already come to the conclusion of guilt beforehand, but I don't really think they care. I think that whether he's guilty or not guilty is just about irrelevant to many members of the committee. It's a talking point. It's an agenda. It suits their agenda. There's no fair person that could see that yesterday and come to the conclusion that he or she knows what happened on that day in that place, if anything. Um, absolutely not. And if that's the case and your decision turns on whether you believe Judge Kavanaugh did this or didn't do it, you have to vote to confirm. It's the president's prerogative to appoint this person. If that's what your decision is turning on, no one can say, based on what I saw yesterday, I know that he's a, a sexual assaulter or something like that. Well, let me let me go back to, to D.C. McAllister. And um, there's a lot of things I, I watched very, very closely yesterday. I really did. I watched. I wanted to pay attention and listen to everybody in all of this. And when you have a case where allegations are made, and this was not the only allegation that was made. I mean, you have the the second case against that was written about in The New Yorker against, in this case, Judge Kavanaugh again. And and you break down that case and you look at what we have. And even The New York Times concluded they couldn't report on it. And that Miss Ramirez in that particular case had contradicted herself uh, and contacted Yale classmates asking if they recalled the incident and telling them that she couldn't be certain Mr. Kavanaugh was the one that exposed himself. And she became, quote, quickly inebriated at the party. She told the New Yorker she was foggy, slurring her words. She had significant memory gaps from the evening, et cetera. And then if you go to the, the Avenatti case, this case of Julie Switnik, um, and you watch that particular case, she's literally saying that she went to at least 10 parties, but it happened almost every weekend, went over a period of years, and that all of these boys were responsible for drugging and getting these girls totally inebriated and knocked out, and then boys would line the hall waiting their turn to gang rape, trail rape women, as if we never would have heard of that in 36 years before. And she went back to those parties. That did not seem plausible to me. Well, no, an accusation isn't evidence. And that's all we have here. There is no credible evidence against Brett Kavanaugh. And they're still believing that, that this woman, just because she's made an accusation, and this is the real problem that we have. When we have someone come up with an accusation, we have to believe the innocent until the person accusing proves their guilt. It cannot be the other way around. We have, to, we have to say, I believe, Brett Kavanaugh, because it has to be proven that he actually did it. 
And if we go down this path in our nation, we really have lost our principles of liberty. We've lost our freedom. And it's being targeted, targeted against men right now. Men are the ones who are the target of feminism, of statism, of the, of the culture right now. And if you don't see that as the broad problem in our culture, then I don't know where you've been. And this is just on display in this whole thing. It's about abortion. It's about the Supreme Court. But it's also about the civil society and how we're treating one another. Well, I think this is the thing. I mean, look, at the end of the day, most Democrats had made up their minds. They, they had no open mind as it relates to Brett Kavanaugh. And I think a lot of what we have been witnessing was really targeting maybe the, the few people that are in the middle that they thought they can sway and they thought they had to go this far over the top. And, you know, and the evidence that this was political from the beginning is none of these people have ever talked about Brett Kavanaugh. None of these te- people, uh, I'm sorry, about Keith Ellison this way. None of these people have ever, you know, condemned Bill Clinton this way. Nobody's asking that Juanita Broderick get her FBI investigation and her week of investigation. As she told me last night, many of these people wouldn't even read the report that was written about her. So it's obviously politics. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll come back with our panel. And as we continue our final moments with David Schoen, D.C. McAllister, and uh, Kaylee McEnany, and then we're going to play uh, Lindsey Graham's speech today was phenomenal. I'm going to play it when we come back. You're going to want to hear this. I'll give you the final word each, uh, 30 seconds each. David, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, I think that the agenda um, that is removed from whether or not Brett Kavanaugh did this is apparent from things like Dianne Feinstein's reaction. All of a sudden, she was stunned yesterday after his speech. She must have lost hundreds or thousands of votes. But today she turns to, well, I'm voting against him because of his temperament. Uh, I don't like the way he handled things. The man finally came alive. This is personal. This isn't him as a judge. This is a personal attack on his character and on his family. He reacted the way he should have reacted. D.C. This is the politics that have become personal. And he had every right to respond the way he did. There was no evidence against him. She did not prove her case. And we need to remember that. This isn't about caring for women or believing women. But if you're going to accuse someone, you better cough up the evidence. Otherwise, we're going to accuse, um, believe the person who's been accused because that's the way America is. This is about proving their innocence now. No presumption of uh, innocence anymore. Kaylee McEnany. Yeah, there's no presumption of innocence. And make no mistake, you know, the left, they will win at any cost. They don't care what reputations are destroyed, lives forever changed, or the damage done to the process. They simply do not care. They do not care about the merit of these accusations. If they did, they would have brought them forward in July. And if they did care about merits of accusations like this, they'd be looking over at Keith Ellison, number two at the DNC, a mountain of evidence against him, two accusers, medical documentation, text messages. But they don't care because this guy has a D behind his name. He has Democrats demarcation behind his name, so he gets a different standard. Sad. All right. Thank you. Uh, all for being with us. Lindsey Graham gave uh, a final statement. We got to hear this in, in its entirety. Then, uh, of course, we'll have our news roundup information overload. Eric Bowling among our guests and much, much more. Stay with us on the Sean Hannity Show and your call straight ahead. By the way, you want to call your senator or any of them, 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. By the or way, can they, we be specific? We can, but it takes too long. No, it never takes too long. This All is right, civic duty. Would you like duty. to do it? No, that's true, but I mean, at least you can say, go, go ahead. You can be as specific as you want to be. Feel I'm, free. I'm going to be specific. Are you ready? 
If you okay. want to call Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin. You can call him at 202. 202-224-3954. 3954-3954. If you want to call Heidi Heitkamp. Heidi Heitkamp. 202. 202. 224. 224. 244. Susan Collins. Susan Collins. 202. 202. 224. 224. 2-2-4. 224-45-45-21. What was that, a minute of your life? It was. All right, the main switchboard, number 202-224-3121. All right, 800-941-SHAWN. Before all this went down with, obviously, Snowflake today, um, Lindsey Graham laid out the case in his statement, and I, I will tell you, I've, I've had debates with Lindsey Graham over the years. We've had falling outs over the years. and um, But he had his finest moment, I thought yesterday, and then today followed it up, and I think this is worth playing. And this is what he said before this mess earlier. I know I'm a uh, single white male from South Carolina, and I'm told I should shut up, but I will not shut up if that's okay, because I got here the same way everybody else did. The people in South Carolina voted for me and Senator Scott to be their voice, men and women, and I'm going to try to be their voice today. And uh, maybe not just for South Carolina, but a little bit about what I think is going on here. Joe Biden, I can't believe we're saying this on our side. Listen to Joe. But Joe was right a lot. Joe Biden's a unique guy. If you had one last conversation before you die, you'd want to have it with Joe. You'd be around for a while. He's a decent guy. If he runs for president, he'd be hard to beat. He came to Senator Thurmond's funeral and gave a long eulogy. I asked him, Joe, I said, that was incredible. This can't help you in Delaware. He said, I just like the old guy. I didn't agree with him, and I didn't like some of the things he did in his life, but when I was down and out, he was there for me. And to my colleagues on the other side, this will end, and we'll see what we do next. I hope we can muster the ability to move forward, but some observations about where we find ourselves and how we got here. Uh, I wrote a book, and I think Senator Blumenthal is the only person I know that actually read it. It was online. I ran for president, and I got 1%, so I've had my time to be president. Didn't go very far, and I lost. I didn't think Trump would win. I ran out of adjectives to describe about how I felt about his campaign. Well, he won, and I lost, and he's president. And I'll try to help him where I can and say no when I must, and the election's over for me. I would like to tell him that you had a choice to make for the Supreme Court vacancy of Justice Kennedy. I think you did a good job, Mr. President. For somebody who's supposedly crazy and there's chaos everywhere, he did a good job here. Now, why difference between Gorsuch and Kennedy? I mean, excuse me, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. It's the Kennedy seat. If you don't get that, you're not paying much attention. Gorsuch is a even swap for Scalia. But this is high stake stuff. Right? This is the seat where the guy in the middle is at risk. Kavanaugh clerked for Justice Kennedy. Would you have picked him? No. But you lost the election. And that does have consequences. When I said it about Obama winning, uh, I meant it. Merrick Garland. Scalia dies 
in the election year, the last year of the term of President Obama, the primaries are already underway. Not in a hundred years has anybody been nominated under that circumstance, so I don't think I did anything unfair or garland. As to Sotomayor and Kagan, I was told on our side, you've got to keep them off the court because they're going to be a pro-choice vote. They hate guns. On and on and on. And I tried to go back to what this committee used to do. Strom Thurmond voted for Ginsburg. You'll never convince me that it was because he agreed with her philosophy. I think he saw in her a qualified person. Fritz Hollings voted for uh, Scalia. The same is true. 96 and 97 votes. What's happened? Most of the nominees Supreme Court never had a hearing. It was always just assumed if they're qualified and they're not hacks that they're going to go forward. Elections do matter. When it comes to President Trump, elections do matter. Now, about the law. And to my friends who have been prosecutors. I've been a prosecutor, I've been a defense attorney, and I've been a judge. Every woman who's been victimized needs to be heard. Count me in a thousand times over. Count me in for the proposition for every one woman who comes forward, only God knows how many women and children go to their grave with the abuse. If you don't realize that, you just don't know <clears throat> this area of life. But you're going to be heard in the United States. I had a young man accused of sexual assault when I was in the Air Force as a defense attorney. The case eventually fell apart, and he almost killed himself. I had women who have been gang raped and didn't want to testify, but they did. Along with counselors, I sat up with them all night. Tough stuff. Emotional. Who to believe? I've been doing this legal stuff most of my life. I've never heard a more compelling defense of one's honor and integrity than I did from Brett Kavanaugh. He looked me in the eye, everybody in the eye, and he was mad, and he should have been mad. He could tell you where he was at and what he was doing during high school in a way that just blew me away. Brett Kavanaugh and women. <clears throat> if you're a gang rapist when you're a sophomore and a junior in high school, you don't let it go. Every woman who actually knows Brett Kavanaugh has come forward to say he is not that kind of guy. He has been at the highest level of public service under tremendous scrutiny, six FBI investigations, and we missed the sophomore junior gang rapist. We didn't miss it. It's much garbage. We're in the twilight zone, and here's what I would say. Miss Ford, all I can say about Miss Ford, I feel sorry for her, and I do believe something happened to her, and I don't know when and where, but I don't believe it was Brett Kavanaugh. And as a prosecutor, you couldn't get out of the batter's box because in America, before you can uh, accuse somebody of a crime, you have to tell them when it happened and where it happened, and you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt it did happen. The reason this case will never be brought in Maryland or anywhere else, you just can't get there. If you wanted to get a warrant, which is a probable cause standard, to search or arrest somebody, you got to prove by probable cause where it happened and when it happened. How are you supposed to defend yourself? Is the burden really on you to prove that you were not at a party 35 years ago and they won't tell you where it was and when it was? So all I can say is that under any reasonable standard, any concept of the rule of law, <clears throat> this would not go forward. There have been five allegations here. The fifth allegation was brought to me by Senator Whitehouse, who did absolutely the right thing. Somebody contacted him in Rhode Island and said, a friend of his was on a boat with Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh, and they treated her badly. He went down and beat him up. 
and she won't come forward. I said, well, I'll make sure I'll join with you. Let the FBI look at it. And it turned out not to be true. The fourth allegation was an anonymous allegation, a letter without a date or a return address sent to Corey Gardner just a few days ago. And he turned it over to the committee, and somebody on that side leaked it to NBC News, and it made it on the news, the fourth allegation. That really bothers me. I don't know what's going on over there, but that's not right. It was somebody over there. Now, about Ms. Ford, I feel really bad that she wanted to remain anonymous and could not. The one thing I know for sure is that Diane Feinstein would not do this and did not do this. But I know for sure somebody did. It wasn't chatter from a friend. Three groups had this letter that was requested to be anonymous. Diane Feinstein and her staff, the congresswoman from California and her staff, and the lawyers. Somebody betrayed her trust, and if you can't figure out why, you shouldn't be driving. To delay this hearing, to set in motion the destruction of this man, to keep this seat open past the election. That I know beyond any, any doubt. What else do I know? I about fell out of my chair when Dr. Ford said yesterday, I didn't know you would be willing to come to me. The email interactions between this committee and her lawyers, my staff would still welcome the opportunity to speak with Dr. Ford at any time, in any place convenient to her. Come to us or we to you. I'm willing to have my staff travel to Dr. Ford in California or anywhere else to obtain her testimony, September the 19th. Well, that wouldn't fit in the plan. It wouldn't be public, and it would get over with sooner than people wanted. I don't know what to believe, but I tend to believe that Dr. Ford did not know about this invitation. And I've been a lawyer most of my adult life, and somebody needs to ask the question to her lawyers, how could she not know about this? Are you beginning to understand what's been going on for a very long time in this case. It's not that hard to figure out. So if this is the new standard, the accusation proves itself to those who want to ask questions, you hate women, <clears throat> God help us all. If the new standard for the committee is that there is no presumption of anything, that you have to prove why somebody would accuse you, not just say I didn't do it and here's why I didn't do it, but you got to prove the motives of your accuser, God help us all. The Avenatti moment tells you what's going to happen if we keep this farce going. Plenty of time, plenty of opportunities to get to the truth. This has never been about the truth. This has been about delay and destruction. And if we reward this, it is the end of good people wanting to be judges. It is the end of any concept of the rule of law. It's the beginning of a process that will tear this country apart. And if I am chairman next year, if we keep the majority and Senator Grassley moves over, and I hope he doesn't because I think he's done a great job, I'm going to remember this. There's the process before Kavanaugh and the process after Kavanaugh. If you want to vet the nominee, you can. If you want to delay things for the next election, you will not. If you try to destroy somebody, you will not get away with it. Jeff is leaving. He has wrestled with this. He is trying to be fair. I cannot tell you, Jeff, what happened 35 years ago. I can tell you this, that through any legal system, this thing would not get out of the batter's box, and that everything I know about Judge Kavanaugh screams 
that this didn't happen and all the other things. So to my good friend, friends on the other side who are struggling, I think an FBI investigation is going to do nothing. It's not going to tell you any more than we know now. It's going to just keep it going and going and going till he breaks and he won't until the next five come forward. I'm going to vote yes. And I'm going to tell his two daughters that I'm proud of your dad. And I really, really believe he's a good man. And I'm going to tell Dr. Ford, I am sorry you had to go through this too. All right, let's get to our busy uh, telephones as we continue. Eric is in Florida. Eric, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm surprised I got to you. Yes, sir. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, the reason I was calling was I think there's actually a silver lining to this whole thing, and that is, um, you know, they're asking for an FBI investigation. They're going to get it. And, uh, you know, it's one of these things where I don't think the Democrats were actually anticipating it would ever happen. And now as a result of it, what is potentially going to happen is the FBI is going to be turned on to these people. So when they start investigating these claims of gang rape, they're going to be looking into people like um, Avenatti and how these people potentially may have gotten involved or how people's personal information was leaked from confidential sources in Congress. Well, so I think, I, you I, know, I think listen, there's a lot there's a lot to leak. Here's the problem. And I, I keep saying it, but nobody seems to want to hear it. But it matters. We already know the FBI does not make recommendations. We know they don't reach conclusions. And we also know that the four witnesses in the case of Ms. Ford have already gone on the record. And as it relates to what they did on the record, they did it under the threat of felony. So, I mean, unless they're willing to take the felony charge, I would assume they're going to stand on their position. Um, to me, this is a delayed tactic. And I think all these rhino Republicans predictably, well, what, what is it they think they're going to get here? Except that they get the delay that they want. And that, you know, I just, this is why I've been saying this is the most important midterm election in our lifetime. This can all come to an end. You know, this this can all stop if you give the president, Congress, and the Senate. And that's why, you know, this blue wave, if it happens, it's going to be so much worse. All right, I got to take a break here. We'll come back. We'll have our news roundup information overload. More with Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin, our buddy uh, from the Fox News Channel. Eric Bowling is uh, going to be with us and much more as we continue. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. I uh, have been speaking with a number of people on the other side. We've had conversations ongoing for a while uh, with regard to um, making sure that we do due diligence here. And I think it would be uh, proper to delay the floor vote uh, for up to, but not more than one week, uh, in order to let the FBI um, continue uh, to do an investigation limited in time and scope uh, to the current allegations that are there, and uh, limited in time to no more than one week. And I, I will vote to advance the bill uh, to the floor with that understanding. And I, I've spoken to a few other members uh, um, who uh, on my side of the aisle that may be supportive as well. But that's my position. I, I think that, uh, that we, we ought to do what we can to make sure 
that uh, that we do all due diligence with a nomination this important. And I want to say that this committee has acted properly, and uh, the chairman has been over backwards uh, to do investigations from this committee and to delay this vote in this committee for a week so that Judge or that uh, that Ms. Ford, Dr. Ford, could be heard, and she was yesterday. Uh, so, so that's with that agreement, uh, I will vote to advance the bill to the floor. All right, that, of course, uh, earlier today, the drama unfolding in the Senate with uh, Arizona Senator Jeff Flake. Name, I guess, is appropriate because he had said he was going to vote it out of committee and then a bunch of Democrats corner him. And then he's like, ah, maybe we're just another week of investigations. You know what that means? Another week of uh, Michael Avenatti uh, gang and trail rape and and boys lined up. I guess stories will be coming out for yet another week. You know, look at what we went through yesterday. If that if the testimony of Judge Kavanaugh didn't move you to see that this man is innocent of this, I don't I don't know what will. You know, if you look at the charges just to review, you know, in the case of Professor Ford, she made. These allegations, remember, the Democratic Party knew back in July and they did nothing. They've had the opportunity to investigate the whole time. And Dianne Feinstein is meeting with Judge Kavanaugh alone. And little does Judge Kavanaugh know that behind the scenes, while she's not telling him a thing, she's getting a a radical left wing lawyer for for Professor Ford, a person that didn't support Paula Jones and a person that did support creepy Al Franken. You know, you look at the charges. 36 years ago, now Republicans have been more than accommodating, the president more than accommodating. Uh, Professor Ford deserved to be heard. These allegations are serious. She didn't remember a date or a day of the week or a location or how she got to and from the party when the alleged, where the alleged crime took place. And then we have four witnesses, four of them, and a new statement again today by the person that supposedly was in the room corroborating they they they, she named these people as people that would corroborate her story except all four now in sworn statements under penalty of felony under penalty of felony that means it's all been investigated anyway and that includes professor ford's friend named leland kaiser her attorney released a statement simply put miss kaiser does not know mr kavanaugh no recollection of ever being at a party or a gathering where he was present with or without Dr. Ford. Anyway, so this all goes on. And now we're going to see what happened. This was this is this is what the Democrats wanted. So they got Flake at least for a week. And now the question is, well, what is Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski going to do? I don't know what else we're we're going to get when the four main people. Remember, the Senate has their own investigative body. You know, this has been their main argument that the left has been making again and again. We need an FBI investigation. Well, the problem with the FBI investigation, you know, and, and that was the big talking point, is they don't make conclusions. And, of course, Brett Kavanaugh has already been investigated by the FBI six separate times. None of these things have ever come up. And the person that told us that it's it's kind of you don't want to use the FBI as investigation was Joe Biden back in 91. Here's what he said. The next person that refers to an FBI report as being worth anything obviously doesn't understand anything. FBI explicitly does not in this or any other case reach a conclusion. Period. 
period. So judge, there's no reason why you should know this. The reason why we cannot rely on the FBI report, you wouldn't like it if we did, because it is inconclusive. They say he said, she said, and they said, period. So when people wave an FBI report before you, understand, they do not, they do not, they do not reach conclusions. They do not make, as my friend points out, more adequate. They do not make recommendations. They do not make conclusions. And the whole thing is, is everybody's known this now. And what's happened is what I pointed out is forget about due process. Forget about presumption of innocence. Frankly, if this heads in the direction Democrats want, that means, you know, smear, slander, character assassination. It's just going to keep happening to any. But nobody's ever want to going to want to go in the public eye. This guy has had a nearly 40 year career and up to 13 days ago, not a single word against him less than 13 days ago. Nothing like this ever coming up his entire life. And this is where we now find ourselves. Anyway, News Roundup Information Overload. Jonathan Gillum, author of Sheep No More. Danielle McLaughlin, attorney constitutional expert, liberal. Uh, Let me ask you this. You just heard Joe Biden and what he said. They don't reach conclusions. They don't give recommendations in any way. Um, We already have the four people that... Professor Ford had named. They've all given sworn statements under the threat of felony. I mean, are we expecting, if we don't know where the house is, we can't go back and look for something forensically. This isn't forensic files, which is a show that I've watched a lot. So what new information could we possibly get? Hey, Sean. Hey, Jonathan. Great to be with you. This has been a rough week for all of us, I think, regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum. Um, I think the point of the FBI investigation is clearly to gather more facts and to talk to the people who have provided sworn affidavits. One thing that's really important to note is that the witnesses don't say it never happened. They say they don't remember that it happened. And those are two very different things, uh, both in a court of law and even in the Senate. Slow slow down now. If they don't remember any such party in any such way at any such time and they've made that statement, a sworn statement under the threat of felony, what else can you what give me any possible evidence that anybody else could find? Well, you know, Dr. Ford indicated. No, 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 no. What what possible evidence can you find? Well, you can talk to them. Maybe you'll be able to. Uh, they've already been talked to. Well, they've already given sworn statements under the threat of felony. So if they change their statement, they would be guilty of lying under oath. Well, this is true. Look, I actually think this is a win for Republicans, and I'd like to explain why. You've got a better chance of confirming Brett Kavanaugh if this investigation is allowed to go ahead, because I think there will be new facts uncovered. I think the American people will be tearing each other apart a little bit less, because we will have more to go on instead of just what we believe to be true. And but I'm asking you a very simple true, question, and you can't answer now that they've given, they've all given, all witnesses mentioned by Professor Ford have given sworn statements under the threat of felony. Okay, you yeah. can talk to them again, and if yes. they contradict themselves, they've committed a felony. No, that's not true. So if I say on Monday that I don't remember, and then I talk to an FBI agent on Wednesday who gives me six other pieces of information, on that day, maybe I do remember, and maybe I can issue a denial. So I don't think that's a clear instance of... of, of uh, you know, of perjury. Um, 
I think that's actually fine. If they said it didn't happen, and then six days later they said it did happen, that's that's perjury. But if you say you don't remember on a given da- on a given day, and then six days later you have more information and it lights something up from 36 years ago, that's not perjury. Okay, but all of a sudden you remember after 36 years as if the first time they interviewed you and all the days you've been watching all this, you haven't said, uh, oh, I think I'm changing my testimony, but now you're going to do it. It would seem at that point that it's political and illogical that something new could possibly be found, except that Democrats want more time for more people, for more smears, uh, for more Avenatti digging, I guess. Uh, uh, Jonathan Gillum. Well, I, you know, I, I think the thing that we have to look at and that the American people need to understand is that what is, is occurring is not so much of a hearing as it is a trial in the court of public opinion. And the FBI doesn't investigate for public opinion. Uh, we investigate, uh, and in the case of, of these background checks, we are a collector of information. And if there is a crime that we find is committed, uh, we usually, if it was something of the, the sexual nature in this case, we hand that over to the locals to investigate it. The problem that we have in this particular situation is that when we uh, look at other um, types of cases, whether it be you know the ones that have been recently in the news, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Cosby, there's a pattern of events there's known meetings that are uh, that can be looked at schedules where we know that these things have occurred, uh, and there's multiple sources coming forward that are not friends that are from different areas uh, that can corroborate stories, as well as uh, uh, rumors and uh, known facts about people that these things have happened. In this case, none of that can be corroborated. If I was an investigator, there's nothing here except for more hearsay. There's no facts that are going to be able to, uh, to be brought out. There's no evidence of a, of a crime that may or may not have occurred other than uh, what someone said. And it's not going to do any good. It's just going to further uh, the outrage in the court of public opinion. And the only thing that suffers uh, when that is the case, you know, it's it's so unrealistic to think that the Democrats in a week are going to say when the FBI comes back uh, with their they, again, they're not going to make a conclusion or a recommendation. And then they're going to come back and then the Democrats are going to say, well, now we need to investigate these two other things and then we'll be done. And then the I delay continues. Oh, well, I you, you say that. But, but there's be, not. Wait, wait. Every Democrat has already said no, except for like three. As it relates to Kavanaugh, most of them said they will do anything it takes to destroy him. Well, and on the Republican side, there have been plenty of people, including... We're not talking about Republicans. I am am saying to you that not one Democrat is going to change their mind based on the FBI report. They're on record saying no. They said no no before he... They said no, many of them, the day he was named. Right, and some and some Republicans said yes the next day he was named, and as this, these information, these allegations came out, because they've known him, he board. serves in the second most important court in the country, and many, even back then, offered advice and consent when he got confirmed, so they knew him. But to say no because it's Donald Trump's pick is a very different. Your analogy doesn't fit. Look, there have been you know, games John- on these court nominations for years and years and years. This is a new law. But I do think that it's a new low, but you want to continue going lower. Is that what you're saying? I, no, absolutely Let's keep going not. lower. 
Let's go <laughs> see how low we I can hit. Think, I do think it is better for this country that there is a week given to look into Another week given, and, you th- and, and what is the new information you can possibly get? My point, and Jonathan's point, is you can't get any new information. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, right as we continue, Jonathan Gillum and Danielle McLaughlin uh, commenting about Jeff Flake and his antics from earlier today. Uh, Jonathan, we'll start with you. Well, you know, this is one thing that does bother me, uh, Sean, is that, and nobody's really talking about this yet, is that if this is handed over uh, back to the FBI, and, and the sure fact that Flake is the one that's uh, saying that, that this should occur, um, we do still have a realistic expectation that the deep state is part of the FBI. And at the level that this is at, if it's handed back to the FBI, my worry is that actually somebody will create something that's fictitious that is in the FBI. It's not like they haven't done that in the past three years. So I also think that that's something that should be considered in the uh, what's been presented so far. There's no uh, uh, evidence that they can prove anything. I think there's been enough testimony where the uh, the judge uh, Kavanaugh can be uh, confirmed. And if it goes back, there is the chance of that. I hate to say it, but there's the chance that the deep state could get involved in this. Well, that's scary. Last word. <laughs> I've got a solution to that. You know, interview Brett Kavanaugh's college roommate, interview Mark Judge. Do some investigation as to when he worked at that supermarket. Release all of the 302s, which are the notes of the investigations, to the public. None of this stuff is classified. And then we all have the facts in our hands. And hopefully some of this partisan bickering will calm down a little bit. All right, we'll take a uh, break. Thank you both for being with us. When we come back, Eric Bowling weighs in on this. And uh, we got to tell you something, kind of a big announcement here for the program. And Eric and Linda and uh, much more. 800-941-SEAN is our number. To have this poison being dumped in our country and our communities are suffering. Kids are dropping dead every day of the week. Parents of good kids are going up to their bedrooms, finding their kids passed out dead. I mean, this is a crisis that we've never seen before. So we need a greater sense of urgency. All right, glad you're with us. Uh, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. That is from a brand new documentary. Actually, our own Linda had a big part to play in all of this. Uh, Sarah Carter. It's a nonprofit group called Dark Wire. And in D.C. on Monday, they are going to do the premiere of this documentary. And at some point, we're going to make it available to all of you as well. It's extraordinarily well done. If you're a parent, you need to watch it. It's called Not in Vain. It features the stark reality and truth and the dark truth about drugs crossing the open borders and the incredible need for national security at our borders. Uh, Joining us now is a good friend of the program, former uh, host of The Five on the Fox News Channel. He's now on CRTV. And uh, my friend Eric Bowling is back with us. Before we get to this, have you been watching this madness and Jeff Flake all day on the Supreme Court? Sean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I tweeted that P.T. Barnum would be proud of this circus. And then I just said, you know what, circus intermission until Tuesday. It's amazing what we've reduced the, the honorable, uh, respectable Senate chamber to, to, to this type of uh, insanity. But finally, they... They pushed it through, and then we're going to get the vote on Tuesday, which which we should see. Uh, I, I'm not so man. sure we're going to see it on Tuesday, though. I think that I think so. You know, I when he gets so. if he gets Susan so. Collins, Lisa Murkowski, then that's it. I could see that happening. And by the way, the thing is, is under penalty of a felony. 
all of the people, the four eyewitnesses in the case of Professor Ford. Let me tell you what that gives. Um, that gives the Democrats another week of the Michael Avenatti's of the world, you know, coming up with more oh, bizarre. It's clear. It's clear. You, you know, Sean, it's not even it's not even it, it's not even the rule of law or evidence in, in a court. It's not even the Constitution. It's not even America in the world. Do you want to do you want to live in a, a, a world where a, a simple ac- accusation of a 35 year old 35 year old foggy recollection can put someone's name, reputation, family, and livelihood at, at risk. It's insanity. We've got to get back to sanity at some point, and I think hopefully Tuesday that'll happen. Yeah, hopefully it will. Um, what we witnessed yesterday was beyond a circus. It was sad. You've, you you watched the destruction of a human being literally in 12 days. How to destroy a man and his family in 12 days after what was without a— Without evidence. Without well, that, there's zero corroboration. And then so many of the other stories have been debunked. It's it's sad that this is what the state of the country. Sean, you and I both had Juanita Broderick on our shows. I had her on TV. You had her on Hannity. And she, I, I asked, I had, I had the fortune of, of having 30 minutes where I had a really long sit down with her. And it, I asked her, can you tell me details of the room? She described the room. I said, do you remember the ride there? She described the ride there. I said, what did the hotel lobby look like? She described in vivid detail. Everything about that night, that that morning with with Bill Clinton when he raped her. Now, for me, and this is further back than than um, Doctor Ford has to remember, and Doctor Ford doesn't remember a lot of the details. It tells me something doesn't seem right in that. And it does. Now, within thirty minutes, get Juanita Broderick, saying, she had yeah. been at a conference. Within thirty minutes, the person she was at the conference with saw right. her in her room with her right. lip which was bitten, bloodied three times its normal size, Mm -hmm. and immediately told somebody. Now, she didn't want to go public. She was afraid. Yeah, She was was also talking about the ride to the the event, to the hotel where the event, in the area where the event was going to happen, the ride back. When you you listen to Dr. Ford's testimony, she can't remember how she got to the the party. She doesn't remember how she got home. She wasn't sure what day of the week it was. Vivid detail in Juanita Broderick uh, of a rape and and, and, and alleged sexual misconduct act against um, Dr. Ford. Very, very few details. Look, I'm not suggesting she didn't get harassed or molested. I'm simply suggesting it's not certain that it was Brett Kavanaugh that did it. Well, want to switch, and I, I know it's a, a Friday here, and we've been spending almost all week on this, and there's a lot of important breaking news, but what we're about to talk about has become uh, very near, dear, and close to my heart in large part because of the tragedy in your life and you being a friend of mine, and that is just a little over a year ago, your son, Chase Bowling, died. You got a phone call and he had purchased a Xanax. A Xanax is an anti-anxiety pill, and in it, it was laced with fentanyl. And he died that night or that day. And I want you to talk, A, about your experience, and then I'm going to bring Linda on as well, and why this. And this is a nonprofit. This is a nonprofit documentary, um, and it's called Not in Vain. It premieres in Washington, D.C. on Monday. And you always say to me, and you say, to anybody you talk to, and I know you're working with the president, you're doing a lot of big things to to make people aware of how dangerous these drugs are. But you always say, don't think it can't happen to your kids because it can. And you're, I believe you because I've seen it too often now. And Sean, you were there from from the minute it happened. I, I got a call. I got a call from you. I got a call from the president the next day. And I was in Adrian and I, my wife, were in an absolute tailspin. Just the call you never expect to get. Just it, it drops you to a, a depth that that's indescribable. 
Um, I told I told the story on the show a couple of times, but she pulled the car over when when we got the call. We heard it, and she fell onto the road, and I had to pick her up and bring her back on, uh, onto the side. We sat there in, in, in confusion. Sean, I get a call from you, a call from the president. So we go fast forward a little bit, and, and I spent the better part of the last year and a month um, talking to people, talking to groups, talk, talking to families, talking to uh, CPAC, talking to Turning Points USA, kids and parents about what, what, you know, what we need to do. And kids really need to understand that Eric Chase was a sophomore in college. He, like probably millions of other sophomores or millions of other college kids, bought a Xanax on campus. It wasn't prescriptive, and it was laced with fentanyl. He passed, and I tell kids nonstop, one pill can kill. If you put a pill in your mouth, just understand it may be the last thing you do. I tell parents, parents, mom, dad, listen, your kid isn't too smart, too academic, too, too, too adorable, too athletic, too white, too black, too gay, too straight, too cisgender. It doesn't matter. It will touch your kid at one point. It's you touching everybody. No, there's nobody that's not, not, not impacted yeah, by not this my now. Kid syndrome. Yeah, so, guys, just add one quick thing. So, last time I was on the show, I talked to Linda a little bit, but it, was, it got such wide appeal that, you know, Demi Lovato um, was was pronounced dead. She was she overdosed on an opioid, and she was literally pronounced dead at the scene, but they brought her back. They got her back to life. After that, within a couple of days, Demi Lovato's mom, Diana De La Garza, called me and said, look, I need to get involved in this. I, my daughter and I are so close. I love her. As soon as she's out of out of trouble, I want to get involved. I said, I said, Diana, you will be the minute you're ready and Demi's ready. You're going to be part of this. I want to bring you on to this so we can we can save some lives together. And Linda had contacted me. Your, your producer contacted me and said, "Hey, can you get involved in this premiere of the movie?" I said, "I will." But you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring Demi Lovato's mom and tell her story too, because it's really compelling. I mean, there's there's so it, it just shows how you can touch anyone, Sean, anybody. So she's going to be part of that premiere as well. That, that and this is what scares me. And, you know, uh, you're never going to recover from this. And I and I, I, I know you're strong. I know your wife is strong. I know you both. But, you know, you told me once that if it's just one the size of one grain of salt or two or three grains of salt from your shaker. And I'm not talking about the big grains of salt. It's the little tiny iodized salt grain mm -hmm. that can kill a kid. And they're putting it purposefully. In yeah. the in all of these drugs, from heroin to weed and everything, they're putting it yeah, everywhere. And so, and some dealers are even looking out, looking for the, some of the strongest stuff that can kill because they'll get known as the the dealer with the strongest drugs, and, and it doesn't even bother. They don't bat an eye if they kill someone. As far as being strong, Sean, I'm not. <laughs> no, the, no, you 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 have been through. You you lost the love of your life. You lost your child. No parent should ever lose a child, ever. And, you know, you get a, you know, I remember when you got the call, you were in the car. You told me your wife collapsed. I mean, it's it's horrible. Let me let me bring Linda in for a second because, um, you know, this nonprofit group, you put you helped put this whole thing together. So I got to give you a lot of credit. Oh, thanks. And boss. it's called uh, Dark Wire. And you this is your first documentary. It's not in vain. Sarah Carter also is working on the project. Uh, created by the organization, but you also traced where this is all coming from, which is a big component of this. Yeah, I think one of the most misunderstood things is that fentanyl is coming across an open border. It's a national security crisis. What person doesn't want to protect their children? And when Eric started doing all this stuff, I said, you know, I'm doing this project with Sarah Carter. She's my business partner in this nonprofit, trying to get the word out and save some kids. You know, if you take, if you want to take an analogy that really hits home, think about a 737 
crashing every single day with every passenger on the flight dying, except they're all under 20. That's what's happening We're in our country. Opioid losses over 72,000 people a year. And then we're not even talking about the lives ruined by addiction. And that's the thing. We're losing a generation. Babies are being born addicted to heroin and opioids. While we were making the film, my cousin overdosed and died, and she left behind five kids. She had just gotten out of rehab, just got clean, was in a halfway house, took a shot of heroin. The heroin was laced with fentanyl, and she died. And, Eric, this is what's happening to these kids Let's say they, they, they hit Granny's medicine cabinet, and there's a Percocet, a Vicodin, an Oxycontin, and then they take it, and then they like it, then they take it, and they like it, and the next thing, they're on the street paying 80 bucks a pill, and they can't afford it, uh, and, uh, and then someone uh, offers a $10 bag uh, of uh, heroin, and their life's over. It, it, even worse now, Sean. It's even worse. You're right up until the last part where it's, it's now cheaper to buy a hit an opioid on the street. You can get a pill of opioid of whatever it is, oxy, whatever their, their, their favorite type of opioid is for five bucks. And cops are telling law enforcement, tell me, we can't, we can't keep up. It's too hard to find. You, you can't smell it with dogs. They say for $5, they can get high in an opioid, and it costs them more, more to buy a joint or, or cocaine. So they're, of course, attracted right to it. It's stronger stuff. The problem is some of the stuff that's on the street, a lot of the stuff that's on the street, is, as Linda points out, is coming from places like China, North Korea as well. And they're laced with deadly deadly drug. The fentanyl is a horse tranquilizer. They give fentanyl to people in their last dying days of cancer when they're in the massive amounts of pain, and, and they just they, they, it's, it's the last ditch effort to keep people out of pain. The problem is, like I said, three granules of that iodized salt is enough to kill a 200-pound man, and, and frankly, it's, it's killing our youth. Linda's right. Linda's on it. Thank you for, for so what Tell us about what... what thank you, and, and I know you're going to be at the premiere of the documentary. I offered, but Linda said, no, I don't want you there because you embarrass me um yeah that's what i said exactly that's exactly. a direct quote uh-huh. uh, but i'm very proud of you for doing this job and i'm proud of you know sarah and the group of people that you put together and pulled together uh and you do this all on your own the only thing i do is offer you know moral support really because i supported the project um and, and we've been very fortunate because we've had people like eric come on board and demi yeah. lovato's mom diane de la garza she's going to come monday right she's coming monday she's speaking for the first time in an open forum like you know on a stage with sure. eric can, can i add that a little bit of course please eric please so so Diane calls me. She says, I have to get involved. And I said, we, we have to do this, but we have to do this with, with, with Demi's consent because, she, after all, this is all about Demi and her recovery. And she said, okay, let me sit down. And she sat down with Demi as she started to feel better. And, and, and Demi has fully, fully thrown her support behind this. Diane said, look, I, I don't, I'm not very media savvy. And I said, look, let's do this. I'm going to walk you through this. It's, 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 a, it's a treachery. It's horrendous for the first few times just to relive some of those moments. And, and so we're going to do that. We're going to hold her hand. We're going to slowly bring her into, into the, the media spotlight with this and, and make sure that she doesn't get overwhelmed by it. But she has a really interesting story, too, because her daughter was clean for a long time. And so well, wasn't she clean for about six years, Eric? Six years, and then bad people—they're—they're they're throwing a party. And Demi's clean at the point, and they—and they throw a party, and some of the dealers got behind the wall, the security wall. They got inside, and all it took was one night, and Demi finds herself literally, but literally almost dead, if not dead, 
and they bring her back. So it's so scary, so dangerous out there, Sean. I know. Um, now, I know that you're doing the premiere on Monday, and I think it's important for people to see this, and you go to a Yeah, go to, like a, um, go to thedarkwire.com, thedarkwire.com, and we have a few seats open, so if you submit your email and send it our way, we'll get you into the premiere. And then how, over time, are people going to be able to see it? We haven't announced that yet, right? Yeah, so we're going to be streaming it. We're doing some distribution deals on Amazon and other places, and we'll get it out there for people to see it. Yeah. You know, Eric, I know you don't get, I know you never fully recover, but I know that both you and your wife, you've taken what is the most painful experience in life and you've, you've now turned it into something that you're trying to help save the lives of others. Uh, I love you for doing that. You're an example to all of us. And um, I, I just wish you and your family, you know this, the best. And it's happening Monday in uh, Washington, D.C. Not in Vain is the brand new documentary. It is a nonprofit group, thedarkwire.com, thedarkwire.com. Hannity, Fox News, we got a great lineup for you tonight. And have a great weekend. We'll see uh, what crazy news comes out by Monday, but we'll be on it. We're going back to our nation's capital on Monday for this reason. Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 